Thank you very much for tuning in. I am your host of Swedish Like Southeast Texas Talks, Buster Caballero. My co-host, Logan Boatwright, is out for today. He will be back next week when we're going to have another awesome episode. Our host, our guest today is Trey Sinkfield, professional engineer with Swedish Like Southeast Texas and a member of our field engineering team. Uh, we're going to talk today about how you can effectively troubleshoot a fluid system get a greater return at lower cost, and why you should be asking for more than just high-quality components from Swagelock. So welcome to the show, Trey. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. So we may be having a little bit of lag in here. We are dealing with technology, different areas, and also, Trey, you and I both have three kids, so there is the chance that we will hear screaming and crying in the background also, right? Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's only a matter of time so, before the storm hits. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, Trey, to start off, man, we've been working together for a while, but for those tuning in, give give us your origin story, your uh, your superhero story, what, your background. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. Avengers um, uh, reference there. Uh, so, I'm from San Antonio. Uh, and I graduated from UTSA with a mechanical engineering degree and um, specialized in uh, thermal fluids. And uh, when I got out of school uh, or I was about to get out of school, I, I said I, I didn't want to get into uh, oil and gas. Just, that's just where everybody's going. Um, I'm not going to do that. I want to do something different. And uh, I ended up getting uh, my first position with the Department of Energy. And the uh, interview was in Pittsburgh, and somehow they uh, ended up in Oregon, uh, Albany, Oregon, which is about an hour south of Portland, uh, at a research facility for uh, different uh, energy applications. So um, consequently, I ended up getting a lot of experience with uh, setting up lab systems, uh, working with PhDs who... Um, were mainly concerned with the principles of uh, testing the testing the science, but not really concerned about doing it safely. So uh, I got a lot of uh, a lot of experience with uh, with fluid systems under two inch to uh, either model a uh, a reactor system or you know set up a pilot uh, a process, uh, but scaled down. Uh, so therefore I got a lot of experience with the Swayjog product, um, designing and sizing, um, due to flow rates, uh, orifice sizing, regulator sizing and pressure relief calculations with reports. Um, as I was getting that experience, I, I made sure, um, to set myself up to get a professional engineering license. Um, and then after about five years, uh, I heard of this uh, thing that they were calling assembly solutions with Swagelock. Um, so I inquired a couple of times uh, about having a couple of my systems built by uh, by my Swagelock uh, vendor. And then they approached me about 
know, what, what do you think about helping us develop this program? And I, I, I said, yes, but not in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was like, I want to go back to Texas uh, as close as possible to San Antonio. Uh, there's a really great um, opportunity here in Houston. And um, I ended up in oil and gas. <laughs> gotcha. But, um, it's yeah, got me. But I, I, I've I've been really uh, really happy in this industry because uh, it's working with Swage Like it's not just one site or which I was at um, before. You know, one site where I was able to work with a lot of different applications, but now within oil and gas, we get to go around and help different sites and different kinds of facilities. So just because it's oil and gas doesn't mean it's not interesting. There's a ton of applications that kind of pull from uh, my experience before and some that are just, that were brand new to me as I, as I entered. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things is our, God, our, we expand everywhere. It's not oil and gas. It's, you know, we talked about this on the last episode. It's it's pulp and paper. It's technology. It's all over the place. Aerospace. Uh, I mean, we go from the the bottom of the ocean floor all the way up to outer space. So, so Trey. Oh, definitely. Your... And and there's um, it's what's fun is that there's there's businesses behind all of these. So uh, oh. I, I found a, a a little bit more purpose in. Now I'm uh, in school again at uh, Rice University at the at the college, uh, getting working on my MBA at the Jones uh, School. Nice, that's so, great, man. Thanks. So Trey, and I know we're dealing with a little bit of lag right here now, so uh, nah, it's just something we got to deal with as always. Give us a challenge, and we'll face it. So, wh- how have you been doing things differently with uh, the current environment? Uh, you know, not being able to get on site for some people, maybe having to meet virtually. How how did things change for you in your role? Well, I, I just didn't want to accept that we can't um, interact with our customer. Uh, before this whole thing started, a lot of the uh, um, interactions that we've had started more virtual. And a friend uh, get me on site, and it was a very small time frame. And and there's a a lot of a lot of different uh, other appointments that day. And I and we just came up with, you know what? Why don't why doesn't he just go on site, sit with the customer, and we connect via a, a virtual a virtual chat? Um, so we're able to share screens, um, and I was able to look at their their P and ID, and we troubleshooted their system right there because they they had a, a three way valve that was in the wrong orientation. So they thought that the system was doing one thing, and it really wasn't. It wasn't venting uh, some quick connect couplings, and they were having some failures there. So we troubleshooted and then we're able to uh, quote off of that. So with, with this challenge or, or at this time, uh, we kind of doubled down on that. Say, so why, why don't we do more of that now? And it's even better because more people are more available because they aren't having to drive to work. Right. They aren't getting pulled out just of maybe a- an hour and a half more. Exactly. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they have about an hour and a half more per day to have a proactive uh, conversation. 
Right. And I think that's something we always see is that we could be in a meeting and somebody will come in and be like, uh, we need you over here. or We need you there. Or it, it really gives the attention needed for what we're trying to accomplish out in the field. So, so with that, uh, so when you, you've been, you and I started about the same time, you were a few years, maybe a year or two behind me on that side. And at the time, our assembly solutions, you know, it was once again, just starting, I remember them saying like, hey, we're hiring another engineer. And it's like, whoa, that's pretty big for us at the time. You know, we've got CAD designers. Now we've got another engineer. Uh, so how has it started? Or how has our assembly solutions evolved since you started to where we are now? Because right now we are rocking and rolling uh, with our assembly solutions. So how's that evolved for you in your role? Steve, um, as you probably remember, we would uh, have a celebration when we put a regulator together. And uh, it's in, and it, there was a system for a customer to say, uh, um, and then we started getting into situations to where I know what I want, but I don't know about the sizing of this regulator and this, these valves need to be. Or do I actually need to have tubing? So we had to start uh, helping them make those and then build it. Um, and, and then we go from there to um, us being approached with, this is just my issue. What system do I need or what, uh, what do I need in order to solve this issue? So it could be a product, it could be a system, uh, a whole gamut of things. So uh, it goes... From us, just tell us what you want and we'll build it to here's a a full-fledged design and this is how we can build it. But what are your preferences? That's where we are right now. Um, and then moving into, I know these are your preferences on these past 10 orders. Uh, why don't we try to standardize on how you like to have these regulator assemblies or or whatever this is? And then we'll make a part numbering system for you so that the next time you order it, uh, we already ha we we already have all of these features and all of your um, all of your preferences baked into it. Now let's just focus on what's actually different about this other case or this specific case. So we do that on a on a global scale or a local scale. Um, uh, if if there's a, a standard that a company has. We'll work with their corporate office or whatever office uh, is deemed necessary to figure out what they like to roll out globally and then have um, and to turn it into a global effort. We'll have uh, uh, Australia and Europe so that the meeting that we're having in Houston doesn't just get rolled out across the board. It's something that everybody owns at that company across the board. So, so Trey, let me ask you this. When something like that happens, you know, our customers or our partners come to us and say, Trey, we, we want to do this project. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. And it's something that we have never done before. You know, it's, it's, it's a new challenge for us. How do we, and how, how do you go about facing that challenge 
as well as our capabilities growing. Face it head on, Buster. Face That's it head right. on things that I already have. I really didn't. And it, that's honestly what charges me up and, and what, uh, what keeps us going here is that we, we love those new challenges. And um, we love seeing how some things that we have done before do apply and then it might apply differently or don't apply at all. And then uh, you focus on just what's there, what do they have, and then what's their commercial situation? So those two things will uh, lead you to what are the things in between that we need to uh, that we need to gain? Is it expertise? Are there parts that we don't or have already been identified by um, another Swayjok distributor? So if it's a temperature, for example, if it's a temperature control issue. I'm probably going to ask uh, Swage Lock Canada uh, of what they do uh, for that specific issue because heat transfer is uh, is a big deal up there because it's always cold. Um, there's, there's different places that we can reach for the expertise within our organization and within the customer's organization. Um, if they have a similar site that's somewhere else, um, we work through our Swage Lock organization to figure out what they've done to solve that same issue at that site so we could utilize um, that company's resources already. And then um, they don't have to spend extra time and, and capital to come up with the same solution again, just because it's in Houston. Right. So that, that's one of the great things we have our advantages, our, our global network of, of distributors and the factory and uh, our corporate offices and the engineers there is that we're able to to pull all these resources. And you and I have been in a situation where once we've gone to another distributor, they have a similar customer. We put them talking together. And now we have brand new connections that we've been able to help our customers create. So what I want to do now, Trey, is, you know, when when people are listening to this and they hear about, you know, like our field engineering group and our field services and what we can do, I'd like to run through one of, you know, Recently, you and I, we went on an analytical and instrumentation audit. And I'd like to walk through like what that looks like whenever we get in the field with our customers for one of these situations. So we had a we had one where the customer came to us and said, hey, we're doing some work on our analyzer uh, shelter. We're needing to run some new lines. We're needing to improve our system. It's a big scope, but we, we'd like for y'all to help us with this, with the parts. And for us, we said, well, let's take it a, one step further and let's look at the system as a whole. So, you know, we said, let's do a let's do an AI audit or analytical instrumentation. We're going to go from the taps that you're running all the way to the analyzer house, everything in between. So what does that look like whenever we start? You know, the main thing first, we, we have to understand the whole system, right? And what they're trying to do. Yeah. And, and you say... And you said take a step forward. And, and first, in order to do that, you have to take one step back uh, and then go a few steps forward from there. And, uh, and I'd, I'd just like to point out that you did a great job at that point uh, of, of taking a step back and asking the customer, okay, why do you want to do this? And in, in that particular case, it was they, they wanted a, a, 
um, better uh, a reaction from their analyzer to what's happening in their process. And the reason why is, is to make it safer. If they have an elevated oxygen level in their reactor, they need to make sure they react and, and give a, um, a signal pack to the process to slow something down so they could calm it down or else they'll have to shut down. They shut down, of course, we know in this industry, you mm-hmm. shut down for a day, you lose a million plus dollars. So um, so we did is take a step back, figured out what was important to them, and then not only focused on what, what needed to be done uh, in the system to allow that to happen, um, but what, what are the symptoms that they're experiencing? Which uh, we have to translate that because uh, a symptom sometimes is presented to us as the problem. So we look at those quote unquote problems and identify them as symptoms and then isolate them as such. And then look at the entire system and, and understand what's causing that to happen. And usually the, where the problem is being told to us not, isn't actually in that area of the system. Right. Right. So we, we go through and, and do the, uh, look from all the way from, the tap the beginning of the system in a and a very um, um, uh, a very consistent way and right. uh, and and try to be very disciplined about how we go about doing it and then those problems arise or those issues in the root of those issues arise yeah and so for recently we had to we had to get on site for this one you know, once we understood all that, we had to get on site. We had to obtain credentials to be on site and go through some training, checking in at the gate, uh, safety videos. Then we had to meet with the safety guys. I had to shave my beard. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was, it was all part of, before we're even in the field, we're putting a ton of work in ahead of time. And then once we actually we, we get ready, we put the hard hats on, we, we're suited up, we've got our steel toes on, and we get in the field. One of the first things that I noticed that we did was we got to the first tap and started pulling out sketchbooks and, and we're cataloging everything right there. And we're, we're making sure that, you know, what is there, what is there, right? Yeah. Right, you cataloged everything that was that was there, and then we also had the uh, the um, uh, leak detection guy with us, and also snooping down stuff because although it's an analytical evaluation, we want to make sure the system is as safe as possible, and we're able to uh, detect and uh, and quantify the the, the number of um, of leakage out of the out of the system. Uh, so, and, and beyond the, the field evaluation, looking from the tap all the way to the analyzer, um, we take that information and we make a report, uh, which is uh, which serves as a as a guide and a roadmap to what improvements they can make to the system at different cost brackets. So, of course, we we try to go after um, and urge them to go after the the lower cost bracket, of course, that has the uh, the highest impact because there's some things uh, that you can prevent happening, like uh, like plugage in a 
has to loop filter. Um, maybe your flow is just below the the limit of that uh, of what that filter is designed for. So all you need to do is open a valve. Right. Um, so that's something that's very inexpensive to do. And those yeah. are the things that we're going to propose first. And then you right. get to the more fancy stuff that's more expensive. I think the first two recommendations we had for the most recent one was uh, increase of flow and reduce the pressure. And that was just turning two knobs and that was supposed to give the uh, biggest <laughs> benefit. And, and one of the other things about this that came with it was, you know, we essentially recreate, I say we, but y'all really did the work. Y'all recreated the whole PNID redrawing of the system walking it down from the tap to the transmitter and, and basically verifying that every component was in there because we know that the PNID sometimes don't always match what's in the field, right? Uh, right. So the, the challenge isn't the calculations or the, or the analysis. A lot of times the challenge is getting the right data. Um, right. What is, what is in the, uh, what is in the process? What is the analyzer giving us? Can we get a printout of that? And and then is the PNID that's given to us actually what's out there? And more times than not, it it, it doesn't match. Uh, but um, it does help to, to shed light on how that six years and, and what improvements were made to it in order to make it work for them. And that also sheds light on what issues that they had in the past and what things that are just uh, patched up that could be causing other issues. So if a patch is causing an issue, um, look for why was that patch put there? Because if you take that patch off, now it's a, another issue that you've created or unleashed. Um, so if you get to the root, solve, solve the issue the right way, uh, you solve the patch issues and the original issue as well. Now, one of the benefits that I've seen with uh, being in the field, the field engineering team and AI audit, uh, is that we're actually being exposed to different areas of the facilities. And I know we're gonna we're gonna plug oil and gas for a while. We're going to talk about just a, a plant facility, and even though we are wide reaching. You know, we're we're very well known with the instrumentation group. We're very well known with the analyzer group. The thing that our field engineering group and you and your team and what you've done is that now we're being exposed to a lot of different areas. So, for instance, now we're talking to the mechanical guys. Now we're talking to the rotating equipment group. Now we're talking to the maintenance team. We're talking to safety. We're talking to a lot of different areas of the facilities that before we, we may not have been that well known. How has how has that expanded what your capabilities in our field engineering group and our assembly solutions group is able to accomplish now that we have had this exposure to everyone? Yeah, it's... Um it's a it's a good question and it's it's a it's one that can be answered a few different ways and uh I'll expand isn't the word i would use it, it would be uh I, I would use the word magnified or amplified it's amplified our abilities a little bit more because some of the same things that we're doing for the other groups are the same things that those um that those new groups that we're getting in front of need as well um 
fluids, they don't care what application they're in. It's the same science that applies to all of them. Uh, but the, the application just offers shortcuts and different ways to handle them. So you can parcel down those complicated calculations to a few products in a basket or, um, or some spreadsheets or something like that. So we're able to come up with, uh, with standardized offerings, uh, like for API systems, uh, gas distribution, um, and, and bulk gas supply in labs, we're standardizing those offerings. So now we're, we're getting in front of um, slightly different groups, but from a slightly different flavor of, uh, of products that we've already offered before in different industries. And it's, um, and it's, and it's rewarding because um, you're getting to, to see the fruits of your labor in, in one area. Uh, another group gets to, uh, <laughs> gets, the, gets the benefit from that without having to uh, put in any front end work it's we we have stuff plated up for them already and that's that feels really good right and and it's amazing to see that growth where you could be talking to the analyzer guys on one section you could be talking to the rotating equipment mechanical guys on their seal support panels you could be talking to the engineers on their grab sample panels on how those are And, and simplifying and improving a lot of these systems you know, where somebody might ask for a sample cylinder assembly from us. When we go a little further, it's because the sample panels that they're using maybe need a little bit more rework, some improvement to them. So that that's just things that are coming out of us that our customers are asking us to do more, do more, do more. And we're finding that we have this capability to do more and do more and do more. So, right. uh, and when they, when they realize that they have us as um, another tool in the box, it it really helps our customers' capabilities as well because we understand, and I've been there too, that engineers and technicians are put in a very difficult position a lot of times where they have um, crazy uh, expectations put on them to solve an issue with very little information. Right. So they're able to just call us up sometimes if they have no other resource in front of them and we're able to troubleshoot the system. Um, like figure out how much flow can they get out of this tube that's this long uh, yeah. with these valves in it. Um, and then narrow it down to, okay, the tube must not be deburred because I'm not getting, I'm not seeing that flow anywhere close to it. Uh, right. So we're able to look inside the system without even being there. So, Trey, uh, we're getting to the end of our time here. So I got a few closing questions I just want to ask for you right now. So for our customers and for the people listening today, uh, what's something that our customers can do, in your opinion, in the field when assessing a situation? If they come across like a problem or they're, they're looking at a situation that's maybe not reading right, what can they do? Well, First, look at what they know. Uh, and of, of course, at the focal of it, if you have a failed part or, or system, uh, just, just don't focus too much on that. Just, uh, uh, just take notes, good notes on, on what's going wrong, uh, objectively. Um, just 
just figure out what truths are happening and then how does this system look? And then, then and only then can you figure out how to get to the solution. Um, you have to look at what's downstream that you want to happen, what's upstream that could be affecting how that, uh, how that piece is operating because no system is, is isolated in these plants. It's all interconnected. Um, so, so for example, in, in Kansas, when we were walking down an analytical system, we found some salts that are developing in an analytical line. Um, it wasn't the, uh, the, it wasn't the filter that we were looking at that was the issue we had to go all the way upstream past the inlet of the analytical system upstream to a catalyst bed and with the that the catalyst had been changed in 10 years and there's ammonia getting into the system and reacting with uh the filter element and causing salts to develop in there so there the problem wasn't even in the system that we're looking at oh man that's so that's a great, great piece of advice for our, for our customers out there. And, and then the second one and the last one is, what is the most common problem you say we run into whenever we do get on site with a customer? I would say, um, one, finding the, the, the right P&IDs or, or the information that describes the system. And two, not rushing into it. Um, a lot of times, it's it's a it's tempting to want to dive right in, um, but you have to look at uh, why one why are we doing this? You know, why is it important to the customer? What have they already tried? What what is actually in the line? Because if if you just take their word for it on what the phase of the fluid is, and hey, it's a it's a it's a liquid. Here's the pressure and temperature. But the more information you get, we can we can actually model the fluid and figure out what phase is it actually. Um, you can you can objectively take the information that you have, uh, but until you verify it, it can't be true for you if you're going to run an analysis on it. So that's 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 our challenge is is not not being uh, uh, tempted to to jump the gun and uh, and and solve a problem without knowing all of the variables. Well, Trey, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us today and go through all this great information. Uh, really appreciate everything you do for us and for Switchlock as a whole. Of uh, man, I can't wait to get back out in the field with you. We got to come up with something good soon. So, uh, for everybody watching and tuning in, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the chance to uh, to watch our show or listen. If you do have a question or something has made you think of an uh, something that maybe you're facing right now in the field, do us a favor. Reach out to us at. Swagelock, Southeast Texas. Uh, you can find us on uh, the World Wide Web at sset.swagelock.com. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up Swagelock, Southeast Texas. We are all there. And follow us along so you can get more information like this. And once again, as always, uh, tune in every Wednesday at 9 o'clock for these shows. And we're going to have a few more great guests coming on. Uh, 
And, and in the meantime, everybody be safe and have a good day. Trey, thanks again, bud. Thanks, Buster.